So let's continue our daily Bible reading on this Thursday, the 28th of December, as we continue to flesh out who this Jesus is, whose birthday we just celebrated at Christmas time, and, and now we're going to learn a little bit more about him. So in chapter 3 of Luke is where we're at. So remember we left off in, in chapter, well, chapter 1 of Luke told us about, about the birth of John the baptizer, and uh, then chapter 2 told us about the birth of Jesus, their interconnectedness and, and the roles of each one of them, um, now in chapter 3. And then we ended chapter 2 with, with uh, Jesus in the temple at 13 years of age and, uh, you know, wowing the, uh, the leaders and uh, the teachers in the church, too, uh, and showing to them that he is truly, as he, as he remarks to Mary, um, you know, showing to him that his true father, his, his real father, is, is God the Father. Um, and, and we're showing, so we see it a little bit more, we learn a bit more about the Trinity um, and, and who the persons of the Trinity are, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Why we call him Father, why we call him Son, uh, and that relationship and him modeling to us uh, what he established in our own families too. I'm a father, I have a father, I have sons, uh, I'm the son of my father too, uh, daughters as well, uh, husband and wife and and that whole relationship that God established from the very beginning uh, and even models himself in the, in the Godhead. So you get to chapter 3 now. Now we get to learn a, bit more, a little bit more about this John the Baptizer. And this tells us one of many things. As you read about this, um, Luke t- ties uh, and John ties himself back to prophecies from Isaiah. Um, as he quotes from Isaiah, uh, beginning in verse verse 4, to show us that this was not, you know, God just waking up one morning saying, hey, I think I'll have my son born. No, this is God having this plan from the very beginning of time. Uh, we already tied him back to Genesis 3 of, you know, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Uh, and he is going to crush your head, and, and you're going to you're going to crush his heel, uh, referring to uh, talking to Satan. And we tied him there. Now, now uh, Luke is tying him to uh, uh, to Isaiah, the prophet, speaking about him too. So this is God's plan from the very beginning, uh, which gives you and I hope too that that you know God doesn't just wake up someday and decide he's going to love us or not love us or forgive us or not forgive us. No, he planned on or he, he's been loving us from the very beginning. He planned on this. He planned on a way for us to forgiveness from the very beginning. Remember, we go back to Genesis 3, when, when Adam and Eve fall into sin, God covers them. They know their nakedness. They tried to cover themselves with fig leaves, and, and God says, no, I'm going to give you these animal skins to cover you too, which prefigured what Christ was going to do later on, that he was going to truly cover us, not just on the physically, but but cover our sin by, by forgiving those sins, uh, by punishing Jesus in our place, having him die in our place, be our substitute, and then uh, robing us in the robe of righteousness. Remember, we did Revelation 7 a little bit earlier uh, this week, and we, and we saw John looking into heaven, and he sees those around the throne robed in the white robe of righteousness. There's that. Uh, there's that image. Isn't that great? You see how we just tied together the Gospels back to back to Genesis and then on ahead into Revelation, which uh, the more and more you read Scripture, which you're in them right now, you see that, that it's really one story, um, all interconnected, consistent, not just, you know, running kind of willy-nilly here and there and a little bit here, a little bit there, uh, but but there's a common thread that goes through it. And, of course, that doesn't surprise us at all. That's kind of, as my kids would say, kind of a duh moment for us because it has the Bible has one author. It's the Holy Spirit. He's one, and there is one God, and he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, so that message doesn't morph or change over time. Everything 
something that you and I know in life changes. I'm getting older, you're getting older. The times change, governments change, rulers change, all that. Uh, but thank God he doesn't change. And, and as we end oftentimes in the prayer of the day, we say world without end or forever and ever. He reigns, he rules, he is. Remember, I always bring up the, uh, the tense of the verb. He is, present tense, always, uh, always with us. So you read a little bit more about John, and, and John's ministry is, is to uh, call people to repentance. What does repentance look like? You look at verse nine or verse ten onward, and repentance means turning, changing, stopping doing what we're doing, both in thought, word, and deed, both in what we believe uh, and in the actions that we do. And notice the emphasis upon actions. John preaches and and practices a baptism of repentance. In other words, it's calling them to stop doing what they're doing, stop thinking in a way they're thinking, stop acting in a way they're acting. Turn around and do the right, do the right thing. Um, and and uh, what we're called in way the way that God um, exhorted us to uh, to live, and you look at verse eighteen as he sums it all up. He says, "So with many other exhortations." That's interesting. That that's the same word for when he says the Holy Spirit is the Comforter or the Exhorter. Both are included in there. Um, God comforts us by by showing us we're going in the wrong direction. That's law um, confronting us, showing us our sins, and so we know what we're doing, and and we stop doing that. We turn around, and we're comforted in that as we turn around. And, and come back to the Lord. It's by the power of his forgiveness that makes that happen. And, and through the comforter, through the Holy Spirit, it makes it possible for us uh, to change our lives. And uh, um, so he, he talks about that. And then he says he preached to them the good news. That's the word gospel that we use today too. Um, even the word evangelical comes from good news. We are evangelical Christians because we're good news Christians. That's a part of our name at St. Paul. Uh, many Lutheran or most Lutheran churches are evangelical Lutheran churches, um, and uh, and that's where that word really comes from. Uh, but of course, uh, John lives in a real world. And Herod, then we read in verse nineteen, um, he imprisons John for doing the right thing uh, from our perspective. But yet, uh, we know God's going to take care of that. We know we know later on. We're going to read later on what happens to him. And then we get the baptism of Jesus. So why while we tied Jesus to the prophecies that were made. Um, we've tied him, Luke's tied him to Mary and Joseph, his, his earthly relationship there. So in theological terms, we'd say he's son of man. He, he's born of Mary, but he's also son of God too. And why do we call him that? Because the Father called him that when Jesus is baptized. And here you got a great Trinity moment here. Holy Spirit appears in the form of a dove. Um, God the Father is speaking to him, and you've got God the Son, Jesus Christ, being baptized. So while the word Trinity is found nowhere in Scripture, the teaching of the Trinity is found everywhere in Scripture, and you and I use that word tri-three, um, or unity, tri-unity, tri-trinity, or triune uh, to describe what the Bible teaches us. So we're not making up something there. We're just using that word to describe it. And then in chapter 3, now here, it's interesting. We just read not too long ago in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew gives us a genealogy of Jesus. Here Luke gives us a genealogy of Jesus, but it's at the beginning of his ministry. It's not at the beginning of the gospel. And when you go through that, you'll see a number of very different things about the genealogy. Uh, Matthew traces him because Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience. He wants to make sure they know that he's the one promised to Abraham. Matthew starts with Abraham and then works down to uh, to Joseph and Mary and then to Jesus. Luke does it the other way around. Um, Luke works from um, Joseph uh, back to Adam, which is really fascinating because, now remember, uh, they, they have different... Uh, um, 
you know, different intents in, in why they write, and that's probably the reason why. You're also going to notice a difference in names here uh, between Matthew's genealogy, some of the names, Matthew's genealogy, and Luke's. And the best way to describe that is Matthew's coming from, he's trying to tie him to King David. So Matthew brings up the kings uh, that are a part of the line of the Messiah, whereas Luke does a little more, little more accurate, probably a little more um, uh, actual uh, ancestors of, uh, of Jesus, um, and in which it makes sense because remember Luke says at the beginning of his gospel, I detail, 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 historic and all of that. Um, and in the end, what we really do is we tie him both to God and to man. Because when, when um, uh, Luke brings him all the way back to Adam, we see that he is, he is the son to be born of Mary. Remember that Genesis 3 from, from Mary's line is going to come the one who is going to come to, to destroy Satan. Um, so Luke, Luke, of course, is consistent with that and brings him back to there. And, of course, there's a lot of debate. Critics of the Bible want to say, well, see, here's an obvious contradiction in Scripture. Um, but, uh, but really, when you look at it closely and understand the intent, of each one of the writers of the gospel, and here's the beautiful thing, I think I brought this up the other day, is these got these four gospel writers don't just write exactly the same thing as if they made it up and corroborated together. No, each of them are unique, which tells us they are truly historical, and, uh, and God used them for different purposes, uh, but in the end, uh, bring us to a better relationship with God. So uh, God bless you as you continue to read, keep in that word. Um, you are um, you are blessed in that, and the Holy Spirit's working working away on your heart and mind by doing that. God bless.